0: Everyday witches emerge from the shadows of secrecy. Broom closets are flinging open and witches are taking flight. Whether you are hiding in your cozy closet or flying with pride, stay for a spell as Witchcasting with Theodora Pendragon and her guests share magical moments, stir the cauldron, and debunk misinformation and misconceptions about paganism, witches, and our wonderful world of magic.
1: Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Witchcasting with Theodora Pendragon. I'm your guest, Theodora, and my special guest today is Diane, and she's an energy healer. Welcome, Diane. Thank you. Thanks so much. But you're more than an energy healer, and I'll let you fill in all your other titles.
2: Sure. Yeah, I'm a trained psychotherapist. Um that's how I started. I do run a mental health company, a, a large practice in upstate New York of other th- psychotherapists as well and an energy healer and in- a what
1: coach? An online coach. You mentioned in my intake that therapy doesn't serve highly spiritual women. Can you tell us what that means?
2: Yeah, yeah. And it might be a taboo thing to say as someone that clearly supports traditional psychotherapy as much as I do and owning a psychotherapy practice like I do. I think that there's a time and place for everything. Uh, Traditional psychotherapy has a tendency to be really overly clinical, which is good for some people but maybe limiting for others and after all these years in private practice and especially now in both worlds doing coaching and energy healing also doing traditional psychotherapy i can see that traditional psychotherapy has so many restrictions for highly spiritual people because there's not as much of a place for visualization timeline jumping Uh, chakra healing in the psychotherapy sessions as there might be with energy healing. And just a few examples, there's a lot of other things that highly spiritual people are really interested in in their healing journey that is just not part of that traditional psychotherapy service.
1: Can you first describe what a highly spiritual person is?
2: Uh, Sure. Well, it can mean a lot of different things. So you know, I think that when someone hears the term highly spiritual, we always think of someone who's new agey or something like that, but not necessarily. It could even be someone who is really invested in their Christ consciousness and their Christian faith. It, could be, it can be someone who is interested in the more metaphysical world. Anyone that is really prioritizing the role of spirit, source energy, God consciousness in their life. That's who I consider to be highly spiritual.
1: So traditional therapy doesn't really work for highly spiritual people. Can you tell us why?
2: I think that sometimes it can work for highly spiritual people, but often it isn't a good fit. And I do feel that it's because it doesn't actually access that part of them medical necessity and clinical treatment tends to be more about your thoughts and your symptoms aside from a spiritual crisis, right? So they're looking at how do these symptoms match up with this disorder and how can we help this person reduce the amount of these symptoms in their everyday life? But then it doesn't really go into... What does this mean for you as a spiritual being? What does this mean for you in your connection with God? It certainly could do that. And some providers are masterful at interweaving those things. But across the board, we do see that traditional therapy is is symptom reduction oriented and more of a medical service than it is about really digging into yourself as a spiritual being Having a human experience.
1: What are the specific limitations of traditional therapy for this group?
2: One of them that I see a big limitation is the overemphasis that psychotherapy right now has on cognitive behavioral therapy, commonly known as the acronym CBT. Again, you know, across the board, The world is so nuanced and there's no 100% right or wrong answers. But what I see is that very highly spiritual people might go into counseling or traditional psychotherapy and they're presented with a very straight cognitive behavioral approach that really digs into their thoughts and their behaviors and encourages them to look at them as thought distortions. And they do maybe even worksheets to change how they think about something. Again, this might be very helpful for some people. But for highly spiritual people, that process of CBT tends to really leave out their whole spiritual life, right? And so it almost, for some highly spiritual people can feel like you're trying to convince yourself to think differently instead of spiritually transmuting into a version of yourself that naturally and organically starts to have different perceptions that are healthier for you, heart and soul.
0: Have you been wanting to ride your broom like you stole it, rather than hiding in the shadows? Theodora Pendragon is here to help your magic shine, whether you want to show the world your subtle sparkle or you really want to light your fire. Visit Theodora's online store at witchcasting.shop. That's witchcasting.shop. Remember, there's never been a better time to be a witch.
1: So magic and healing has a really good place for people who are seeking your help as a psychotherapist. How do you incorporate that treatment modality in your practice with highly spiritual people?
2: Sure. So in terms of the service that I created, I really saw a gap here. And of course, I'm not the only one. There's like a whole wave of people like me that want to provide more holistic treatment to people, more holistic healing. Uh, But the gap that I saw was what we're speaking about how really highly spiritual women specifically felt that psychotherapy was missing the mark. It was all at once too much and not enough for what they were looking for. And so. For these women, I created mostly women. I created an online transformational and healing service where we're able to use the best of counseling methods in terms of healing and processing past traumas and past hardships, but then also interweaving the response of your chakras how your heart feels, you know, expansive work to visualize the most expansive and highest timeline version of themselves and interweaving that into the healing. Um, Of course, it's hard to generalize because this can look different for every single person and depending on what they need. But those are some of the more spiritual tactics that we might use in our work together.
1: Do you also use ritual crystals, visualizations, and alters in healing and expansion?
2: Yeah, yeah. So again, it's kind of sometimes depending on the person because ritual work is so personalized and it really depends on what that specific person is looking to do. A lot of that comes organically and naturally through the conversations that we have. When someone has lost someone very significant to them, it might be a grief which ritual that we co-create and design together, and because a lot of this is online, and you know, my clients might be in different parts of the country, uh, maybe in other countries, they would then perform that ritual in the way that feels really good for them. Oftentimes, you know, we we decide, you know, oh, your throat chakra is really bothering you. So why don't we take a look at what crystals will help you with that? A lot of my clients are trauma survivors. So rose quartz is a huge part of what I recommend often because it helps the heart so much. Um, But all of the crystal work, rituals, visualizations that we come up with are highly personalized and coming through the work that we do together instead of like, this is something I prescribe to someone like you. There's none of that. It's all specifically suited for the
1: person. Tell us how manifestation powers are amplified after clearing energetic resistance from past trauma and programming.
2: This is actually my favorite topic in the whole entire world, besides my children, perhaps, besides talking about my kids. I could talk about this forever. What I've noticed, I've been doing a lot of trauma work for a very long time, about 18 years now. And trauma has an energetic impact around someone's self-belief and what they see as possibilities for themselves. So it creates energetic resistance in pretty underlying almost everything that they do. So if the trauma creates a belief that something's not possible for them or that they can't do something, it's really hard for them to do that next manifestation steps, which is so much based on your belief that it is coming and that it's not a matter of if, but when, because it is going to come down for you, right? when someone really processes deeply traumatic experience from their subconscious mind um not just the conscious mind but deeply in the subconscious layer and helps them to shift from yes, why not me whereas before it would have been like no that could never happen for me and then all of a sudden traditional you know more everyday manifestation techniques can finally actually work for them whereas before It was just simply out of reach because of that fundamental belief that it wouldn't happen, that it wouldn't happen for them, or that something good like that was just not reachable. It's kind of like clearing the channel, you know, like the channel was blocked, the door was closed. And when you do that deep trauma work, it just organically opens that ability to channel
1: the manifestation. You went to school for a very long time to be a psychotherapist. Is that correct?
2: Unfortunately, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In any of your classes, did they cover this type of treatment modality? No,
2: no. And to be honest, um, back then when I was a 20-year-old child (laughs) studying this stuff, a lot of what I do now, I... Literally laughed out loud about, you know, a lot of the techniques that I use as a more spiritual practitioner are something called EMDR and brain spotting and energy tapping. Um, I found these things to be far fetched and that it couldn't be true, you know, but the older you get, the more you realize that you really don't know much about anything and you start to open up your mind a little bit more. And the more that I observed, fellow humans and how the energy of trauma and emotional pain actually shows up. The more I became a believer in um, energy methods, such as what I used to make fun of EMDR and energy tapping, brain spotting did not exist back then, but I'm certain I would have poked fun at it too, as a a 20-year-old kid, if I could have. Once you sit with enough people And you're able to really observe and intuit into how the energy of emotional pain shows up. It's really undeniable that it is such a holistic experience, mind, body, and soul. And it does not just show up in the brain as thoughts or memories at all. It's way more complicated than that. So... They taught us that these techniques exist, these these energy healing techniques. In terms of interweaving spiritual healing, there certainly wasn't any of that. Not that I can blame them because I went to a clinical program, a, a clinical mental health program. So perhaps it wasn't the place for that. But also in terms of going beyond healing just for healing's sake, you know, for me, And for the clients that seek out working with me, healing is not just to heal, but you heal to have that amazing relationship. And you heal just to help your children have the best emotional wellness possible. You heal to be able to put yourself in a position of receiving abundance. Or to have the most peaceful life with ease. So it's not just healing to reduce symptoms. And of course, I went to school, you know, 20 years ago. So I think things might have changed, you know, since then. But um, on the other hand, there definitely has been an emphasis in traditional therapy and mental health to heal just to reduce symptoms when healing really can be so much more than that. And I felt that was missing back then as they were training us.
1: You weren't a believer to begin with. So how did your spiritual path begin?
2: My spiritual path actually did begin around that time when I was in graduate school, but it was a more personal process. I was really studying Buddhism very heavily at that time. And that was maybe my my first opening into what was then considered to be a non-traditional form of spiritual practice. Now it's very, very common to practice Buddhism, you know, and meditation. It was considered way more taboo back then than it is now. I'm sure you remember, you know. I would say that in terms of recognizing myself as a more spiritually motivated practitioner, that certainly came after I started practicing a technique called that EMDR that we we're referencing before because once I started using EMDR for people recovering from trauma it was undeniable that emotional pain has an energetic source and that people felt it along their chakras and that their connection to source or to god or to all that is whatever you want to call it was a huge part Of their success in healing. And also, a huge part about not just healing for healing's sake, but really being able to thrive after significant hardship. You know, that spiritual connection was so hugely important. And I recognize that because as people were healing from trauma with EMDR, their connection, their interconnectivity, um, to their families, again, to God, to whatever it was that they felt spiritually called to, strengthened, and the momentum of their healing would just go. And so the more I bared witness to that, it was just impossible not to see it, you know? And one thing led to another, and I just studied more spiritually based techniques. Uh, I would interweave my Buddhist practices. In the work with clients, uh, never in a way that I expect them to become Buddhists themselves, but just interweaving it. And uh, all these years li- later, uh, this is the way that I I choose to work with people.
1: Working with clients, bringing up spirituality sometimes can be difficult. Is that part of your intake process, or does that come out during therapy? As far as addressing their spirituality, to Decide if that's a good treatment modality for them. So
2: I always meet my clients where they're at, right? At this point, as we were talking about earlier, I do have some traditional therapy clients that are seeking a more clinical service from me. And then on the other hand, I have a lot of very spiritual clients that are seeking transformational coaching and energy healing from me. and. If someone wishes to incorporate their spiritual life into our work, I'm there for them. If they wish not to, I'm also there for them as well. But I will say that because of what I do, the vast majority, I'm talking 98% of my clients, know that I'm a very spiritual person and decide to work with me for that reason, you know? And that said, but our spiritual beliefs don't always align either, you know? So I identify myself as a pagan Buddhist and some of my clients are very devout Christians and we incorporate their faith into our work very easily. And they know that we have a difference in, in spiritual practices, but it's about them, you know, and it's about them creating, Their own healing experience with me. I'm just their assistant on that. Now that said, when I do have someone who's coming to me for more traditional psychotherapy, I I leave that choice up to them. You know, uh, if they want to incorporate that, then I will in in a clinically appropriate way. But I kind of let them take the lead. They sometimes they call it being the tail of the comet, where your client is the comet. And you're following behind very closely along with them, but you're letting them lead the way.
1: Client-centered therapy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they would tell us in school, right?
2: Always. Yeah. The most important part of therapy is that, yeah. Right.
1: Really, when you think about it, you are a pioneer of this treatment modality. I know lots of therapists, but not too many people talk about this kind of therapy.
2: You know, th- thanks for saying that. I do feel like there's probably a lot more like me out there, you know, and I think that the zeitgeist of our world right now is calling for this. So I kind of feel like I'm a product of where we are on the spiritual path or humanity or or change, cultural changes that are happening, you know, more than anything else. Um, I believe that there will always be a place for traditional therapy and I'm a huge supporter of it. You know, my company has three locations and we're going to be opening a fourth in this year as well. So I'm definitely someone who supports it. I think there's beauty behind it. But I think that also having, it doesn't have to be the answer for everyone, and now that we have online coaching, and we have access to so many people around the world, thanks to the internet, people really can pick and choose, this is the right healing path for me. You know, so it doesn't always have to be, oh, you know, you you have trauma that you're working on, or you have some adverse experiences that you want to reprogram. Therapy, in the traditional sense, doesn't have to be the one and only, and I'm really glad to live in a time where that's available. I mean, back when I was a kid, it was taboo just to even say you were having a bad day, you know? <laughs> and now here we are, you know, 30 years later. And we have all these ways of addressing our emotional health, as addressing our spiritual growth. And it's been amazing to bear witness
1: to. What advice would you give someone? Who's looking for a therapist like you who blends scientific and neurological interventions with ancient spiritual practices?
2: I always tell everyone shop around. You know, like don't feel like you have to reach out to one person, you get an appointment, and that's your person, right? I think that there are so many different providers, and having a good fit feeling seen, heard, and understood, and actually liking the person in front of you is like a huge portion of the success of any healing modality that you would use, right? So what I would say is allow yourself to be noncommittal. Allow yourself to interview different practitioners, see therapists, and really find what is speaking to you and what feels really comfortable. The healing work is sometimes a really treacherous journey, and you're not always going to want to sit down and talk to that person, even if you really do like them a great deal. But you should feel solid in your choice. It shouldn't be too much of a task to have to
1: schedule with this person. I hope that makes sense. It makes sense 100%. You said that you offer online coaching yep do you offer these services for people who are not in your state because I know you have to be careful because of your license in you're in New York but as a coach you could help people outside your state where you're not licensed is that something that you do
2: It is something I do, albeit very carefully. As a licensed psychotherapist, it's very important that I'm only giving treatment and psychotherapy to reduce symptoms if someone else is in New York State where I'm licensed to practice. People that I see outside of New York State or outside of the U.S. in different countries, these are people that do not have symptoms, that are medically necessary to treat, but they want to do expansion work. They want to heal on on something like um, a difficult relationship with a past partner or a difficult relationship with a, a parent, or, you know, we work on healing the relationship, their relationship with money. So these are not clinical issues that require a clinical treatment. So... Those are the types of clients that I do online coaching with. And that's an important distinction. If someone does have significant interference from symptoms, you know, that are part of a mental health diagnosis, it is really important to get to that right provider. But then coaching services is something that they could add on top of doing traditional therapy if they wish to do that.
1: How can we find you online?
2: I'm a, f- a few places on Facebook, just as my name, on TikTok under Emotional Ascension. So you can find me on Facebook under my full name, Diane Webb. I am on TikTok at the handle Emotional Ascension and on Instagram with the handle The Way of Emotional Ascension.
1: I'll put all those links in the episode notes so people can find you. Is there a message you would like to give the listeners today? Something that we may not have touched on?
2: You know, I feel like you touched on so much, it's hard to think of something. But, you know, in terms of this conversation, one of the takeaways that there isn't just one way to heal, there's a lot of different ways to heal and following your own intuitive voice about what's good and best for you is the most important thing of all.
1: Thank you, Diane, for sharing your wonderful treatment modality with us. Thank you for having
2: me. Appreciate it.
1: Your clients must love you. Thanks for having me.
0: for joining us for Witchcasting with Theodora Pendragon Have a burning question or have a topic you'd love Theodora and her guests to discuss on the show Contact her through Instagram at Theodora Pendragon If you enjoyed this episode make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one and help us spread the word by leaving us a rating and review and sharing it with your friends See you next time, and may your magic always shine.